Welcome everybody to the 25th episode of the Struggling Scientist podcast. This is a podcast by scientists, for scientists, anybody science adjacent and perhaps even hobbyist. My name is Susanna and I'm here with my co-host Jerome. Hi. Today we're going to do another episode of Cutting Edge Research where we take a very interesting paper and we read it and we tell you guys about it. And this time the paper is about how obesity accelerates hair thinning. Let's start. Well, we have a paper. It's called Obesity Accelerates Hair Thinning by Stem Cell Centric Converging Mechanisms. It's from Moringa et al. Uh, They are from Tokyo in Japan. And it was published in Nature in July 2021. Um, And I think we also came across this one on the Nature Facebook page as most of our articles, no? I think so. It's been a while now, obviously. Some social media related Mm -hmm. uh, paper (laughs) anyway. Uh, And we thought it was really interesting because I didn't know that obesity could have an effect on your hair. Yeah, I mean, so far, uh, I think both of us knew that obesity was not good for a lot of variety of reasons, but never, never really came across the hair thinning part until now. Until now. And it's a nature paper, so it's true. Um. (laughs) 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 Okay, well, let's discuss this paper. So first off, a bit of uh, background information. Um, You have hair follicles. That's, of course, where your uh, hair grows from. A little tiny sac in your uh, skin. Um, And the bottom part of that is called the bulge. Uh, And this is where the hair follicle stem cells are, the HFSC cells. And those hair follicle stem cells are the cells where your hair grows from. But also, as far as I understand, uh, all the other cells that are important for the the, the hair, the, the, the bulge part. Um, they self-renew and then they generate different they generate differentiated progenities that re- regenerate the hair shafts. Yes, right? Pretty much. Then with aging, you they know already that you get less of a protein called Col70A1. And this is a protein that normally anchors these HFSC cells to the basement membrane. Uh, and because you have less of it, this then can result in a depletion of these HFSC cells, leading to hair follicle aging and things like hair follicle miniaturization and hair thinning. Yeah, Anything to add? Not really. I mean, that pre- pretty much sums it up. Uh. Okay. Now, obesity has been known to be a, a risk factor for alopecia, um, specifically androgenic alopecia in humans, but it's well, it was unknown whether obesity it targets specifically alopecia and um, starts that process or is just more generally induces uh, accelerated hair loss. Yeah. Um, and that has not been tested. So Moringa et al. decided to test this and they did that very extensively. Yes. But before we go any further, maybe just to clarify for people who don't know what androgenic alopecia might mean. <laughs> uh you might know it by another name. It's more colloquially known as sort of the ma- the, the uh, male pattern baldness. Uh, so. I thought it was just the the, mo- the the form of alopecia that also young women and things. But it, okay, it's the male pattern baldness. Very important. Um, maybe just I, I this I just quickly googled this. Of course, so this is uh, <laughs> very very extensively researched. So don't quote me on this. Okay. 
Well, then let's talk about some stuff that they actually found. Hmm. Jerome. Yes. What did they do? So they used quite a variety of mouse models, but I think to start off with, they used just, uh, quote unquote, the standard black six mice um, that they put on either a normal uh, yeah, diet and also on a high fat diet. Um, and yeah, they, the, the first batch was already quite old when they started with that. They were 20 months old when they started. Yeah. So uh, they put them on this diet for one month and then... Uh, what they could see uh, already in figure one, as you'll see if you check out the paper, is that these the mice with a high-fat diet show diffuse sort of type of hair thinning. Uh, yeah, but I that result I'm not really sure of. Because if the mouse gets bigger because of the diet, then of course the hair gets thinner per, per inch. And they look at it per per slide of their, their microscopy so sure but at the same time right like they do show a picture like it's in certain specific regions of the mouse so you if i guess if the mouse gets sort of bigger overall you sort of expect to see it more diverse uh, diffusely spread maybe i don't know i think their other results are a lot stronger than this one yeah i mean they also used uh, the high fat diet and uh, the hair deep depletion i don't know how they called it anymore depilated Depilated. Depilation. Depilation. Yes. Yeah. So, which is basically just plucking or using a chemical uh, uh, hair removal hair removal cream to yeah essentially get rid of hair and sort of cycle through the hair a little bit like that. And I think those results look a little bit better than Mm. the the using twenty twenty one twenty month old mice and then uh, yeah yeah. Yeah, so they first started with those 20-month-old mice and did a high fat diet for one month or they saw, saw some things. Um, and then they started to test with young mice of two months old and then fed them a high fat diet for 10 months. Now, for people who maybe do high fat diet, 10 months is a long time to give mice a high fat diet. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're already sort of old also, 12-month-old mice. That's a lot older than they are used for most... Most um, yeah. This is really an aging experiment. At that yeah. Point, yeah. Um, and then they saw that also these high fat diet mice had a significantly decreased number of hairs per inch. And this this is the one that they tested per, um, of uh, not hairs per inch, no. but hairs mm-hmm. per image. Yeah, bulge, bulge per image. <laughs> bulge per image. Yes. Um, really a standard metric. Yes. Uh, these mice had a bit of a shaggy appearance if they weren't high fat diet, uh, and if they removed the hairs by this depilation that we were just talking about, plucking or shaving with, and then using a hair removal cream, um, they had very they had fewer hairs grow back if they did it once, but they did have, if they did a few rounds of this hair removal, this induced severe and irreversibly and irreversible hair loss in the high-fat diet mice, but not in the control diet mice. Which is interesting. Yeah. And this sort of indicates that the cyclic hair regeneration, so every time you pluck a hair, new hair grows, um, is targeted by this high-fat diet-induced stress, and this accelerates hair thinning. That was what they were thinking. Yes, and well, that's basically the end of the paper, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it is their main their main that result, is, yeah. <laughs> but they have they have some some more interesting stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, next part. Yes, so uh, of course, as we already alluded to, they did a lot more experiments. 
so they also wanted to analyze genetically obese mice. So you can think about like the OB-OB mice or the DB-DB mice. Yeah, they did both. Yep. Just because, you know, nature. Yeah. I mean, I guess they couldn't do any zebrafish experiments with this, <laughs> so they had to... Uh, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> they didn't have the standard three, three, three uh, animal mm. model uh, yeah, situation. They couldn't use drosophila, they couldn't use zebrafish, so yeah. Got they should a, have done some human studies, but okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> Fine. I mean, I don't know if you want to subject a human to <laughs> permanent bolting. No, maybe yeah. not. Um, so yeah, they used the OBOB DBDB mice. They uh, they also used wild type mice and put them on a high sucrose diet, or and also tried to uh, use diabetic mice that uh, were given streptozoan in order to induce uh, sort of diabetes, uh, to also see if diabetes uh, would play a role in hair thinning, uh, and of course. Because why not also take along female mice? Because normally a lot of experiments are done with male mice. And well, put them why on a... not? That's super important. Yeah. That is very important. But And uh, they did better, I will think, tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> so they found that the, the male hyphodiet mice and the genetically obese male mice showed significantly more hair loss at six months. And the female hyphodiet mice showed this at eight months. So two months more. So they had to wait two months more for their significant results. <laughs> <laughs> yes. However, the diabetic mice and the high sucrose mice did not show any, did not show more significant ha- hair loss than their controls, which is interesting. Yes, this definitely indicates that if you can choose, always go diabetes, never go obesity. You'll yeah. also just get here. <laughs> wow. <for> no, <laughs> if you get the option. <laughs> I meant more than <laughs> it's interesting because we know that diabetes destroys so much in your body that hair loss wouldn't be a far fetch, but it does not, so that's good. I yes, guess yes. silver lining everywhere. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they also did some stainings on the skin to stain for the hair follicles to see what's exactly up there. Um, they found a few. They found fewer hair follicles per image in the high fat diet mice. Um, however, yeah, the images weren't really well, that amazing i guess or that nah, the problem with it uh, the problem i have with that is again that if you have a high fat diet mice the skin stretches and then you automatically get more of less hair follicles per image but they did find in the same images that there were a lot of hair follicles that didn't have these hfsc cells anymore mm. and that's way more interesting because it means that you are losing um the 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 hair follicles with the stem cells to grow a hair out of. So these are basically now defunct hair follicles. Yep. Yep. And that, it looks a lot more like the skin of an old mice than than of one of his own age, basically. The control mice. Yes. And the same was true for the genetically obese mice and female mice at eight months. Interestingly enough, the degree of the hair loss was correlated with the body weight. So the fatter, the bolder. Oh, goody. <laughs> I wonder if this is true for humans, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> Let's not speculate on that. Oh, yeah. No. More clinical trials are needed. Yes. So then you also have this thing that's called zigzag hairs or all hairs. And all hairs, from what we have looked up, are the more thicker hairs, the thicker straight hairs. And zigzag hairs are usually thinner and literally... Zigzagged. So they, they, the hair is moving from side to side a bit. Um, and they're usually tinier and thinner. And, yeah. Um, and they, because they're tinier, well, because they're thinner, they have a smaller hair follicle and less HFCS. 
and they found that these zigzag hairs are um became thinner yeah became thinned out basically they were removed way more than the all hairs yeah so they also looked at so yeah so you have different phases of hair growth called uh, anagen and uh, telogen i believe there might be others as well but let's just keep it simple to what the paper did looked at uh, so the anagen phase is more of a growing phase of the hair, while the telogen is more of the resting phase of uh, hair growth. And what they saw when they looked at it was that... Uh, yeah, they were both induced by the Haifa diet. So they thought that this would show that there's a shorter hair cycle duration. So that the hair uh, cycle, cycle just goes way quicker. Um, and then maybe in the end... Your stem cells only have, yeah. Yeah, you have a limited amount of cell cell division, so then they might yeah. get tired, I guess, in the end. I'm not yeah, sure. They, yeah, I guess wear out to yeah, a certain extent. Yeah, wear out. Yes, that's it. So they might wear out after a while. Yeah. Um, and probably this is because the microenvironment where this this hair follicle is is changed because of the Haifa diet. Um, because you get a lot more dermal adipocytes mm -hmm. that control also can control the hair cycle. Um, they, however, did not find overall in the stainings any inflammation or differences in the capillary networks of the blood vessels or the innervation of the hair follicles. Of course, this was th that last uh, bit of information was based on only doing uh, histological examination of the the, yes. uh, the hair follicles. Because so as we later found out, <laughs> do we do see something. Yes, I, I do find it interesting though that they do mention like uh, the dermal adipocytes. Uh, my, may have affected the overall microenvironment and affect the the hair cycle. But they uh, don't really look at that. No, no exactly. Like it's no. like oh, but inflammation and capillary. It's like okay, that that was somewhat of a pivot. But okay, yeah, yeah. Because that was also my theory when I was looking at. It. I was like, oh, something has to be changing to to go from eating food to, to hair loss. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. So they next did some linear tracing in the in mice with uh, GFP in the. HFCS, uh, and then they saw that while normally the the well stem cells stay at the bottom of the the hair follicle in the bulge, that's going to be our favorite <laughs> word for this uh, podcast. Uh, after three months of high fat diet, the cells were reduced in the bulge, and the progenitors of the then uh, the progenitors moved up the hair follicle and differentiated into the glands and even the junctional zone of the hair uh, of the hair, and in some cases also reached up to the uh, epidermis. So uh, yeah. these are normally not the places where the cells uh, yeah, normally end up. Yeah, they're not supposed to be that high up. They're supposed to stay really down. And in this high diet, they just don't. Yeah. And this explain, might explain why this hair does not grow up, but grow back after plucking, because there's no more stem cells to start the hair growth. Yeah. And they found that these changes were mostly happening during the energy phase, right? Yeah. yeah. So while the hair was growing. Yes. Okay, well, that was all in figure one. <laughs> yep. Uh, and they have a lot of supplemental figures that also showed a lot of this info. Um, but now for the next part, they did a lot of different high-throughput analysis of these um, HFSC cells. Um, they did that for both high-fat mice, normal diet mice, young mice, and old mice. And then they did microarrays, RNA sequencing, ATEXAC to look at the accessibility of the chromatin, and foxing. Because, um, of course, 
make it look easy. <laughs> Let's just do it all. <laughs> this goal 17 that um, gets changed with age and then results in this hair follicle stem cell release of the of the bulge mm-hmm. was changed in the old mice, but not in the high diet mice. So that's not the reason why this this thing is happening with the hair thinning. Yeah. So uh, they continued in looking with uh, pathway analysis and they found three top pathways that were downregulated in the high-fat diet mice. These were the MOPK pathway, the sonic hedgehog pathway or SHH pathway and the ceramide pathway. Um, and they believed that the, that the first one, the MOPK pathway, may lead to a dysfunction in regulating the signaling pathway, uh, which represses the repression of uh, the these stem cells okay wait yes <laughs> so hfcs mm. are normally repressed mm-hmm. or they have something that represses them yeah uh, and you there's something that represses the repressor so that, then the hfcs are no more repressed yes so they can still but now in this high fat diet mm-hmm. the repressor gets repressed so then the hfcs gets no longer repressed Okay, then they also found this sonic hedgehog pathway that they next started, uh, decided to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find that that pathway was inhibited in the, the hair follicle stem cells from the high fat diet group. Uh, also in the genetically obese mice, but not in other types of alopecia or in the old mice, I think. Yes. Um, and then they know that SHH is signaling SHH signaling has a crucial role in both the development and cyclic regeneration of hair follicles. So that immediately might like, it gives a really good hint that this might be the thing that uh, explains the defective hair follicle when they go into the cyclic regeneration way too fast and then sort of sizzle out. And then they did different inhibition studies with a lot of different things, but only, only when they inhibited SHH in a mouse model this also led to a depletion of these hair follicle stem cells, a loss in mm-hmm. hair follicles and hair loss after one month. And then also in these inhibited uh, SHH, and I think the inhibition was genetically... Uh, yeah, indeed. And also to a uh, loss of hair follicles and hair loss after only one month already. So it wasn't known yet this, that this sonic hedgehog had this effect, but they really found that it does. And they also did the lineage tracing with these cells. And they saw that just like in the high fat diet mice, these uh, HFSC cells change localization of the hair follicle where they do not belong. Um, so SHH is crucial for keeping the hair follicle stem cells in the bulge. Right where we want it. Right where we want them. <laughs> yes. Yep. We are very excited to be able to introduce you to our new sponsor, Jenny AI. Not only does Jenny make our podcast possible, it also makes our life as scientists so much easier. Jenny is an all-in-one writing assistant that has everything that we have been missing in other AI tools. Yes, first off, unlike other AI tools, it actually finds accurate information in papers and cites its sources. It does not make things up and only uses real verified information that you can then also check the source of. Second, it's a writing assistant trained for academic papers and helps you write your paper by suggesting the next sentence or the end of your sentence. Or, if you get really stuck, you can ask it to write an entire paragraph, completely removing the writer's block I so often struggle with when I don't know the right words to make my point. It helped me write an introduction to a paper I've been struggling with in half an hour. It even suggests which papers to cite. 
You can add your own library or search the entire internet for papers. Just type the add symbol to easily add a reference and it gets automatically added to the reference list. And the last thing we absolutely love is that it has an AI chatbot that can see your document and give feedback on how to improve your manuscript. Or you can ask it questions, such as what are the potential therapeutic benefits of dot dot dot, and it will search through the papers for you for the answer. I can only say that my stress level has gone down significantly since I started using Jenny. Check out the free version now at thestrugglingscientist.com slash Jenny. And if you love it, use the code SCIENCE20 for a 20% discount. So they then uh, performed some qPCR experiments and found that uh, the inf inflammatory cytokines in these uh, stem cells and also the NF-kappa beta activation, well, NF-kappa beta pathway was activated in these stem cells, which is interesting because earlier, with the as we already hinted at, with those stainings, they didn't see that there was any immune cell infiltrate, but now they're, they are seeing some... Yeah, but this was specifically in the stem cells, so maybe that's the difference. Yeah, maybe, I guess, yeah. They also found oxidative damage, and they found lipid droplets in these HFSC cells. Quite a lot also, they did nice lipidox stainings. Mm -hmm. um, and they found these after long-term exposure to a high-fat diet, but not short-term exposure, so that's really a long-term effect, I guess. Um, then they made this cytokine mix of different cytokines that they found to be elevated and uh, lipids. And they gave this to keratinocyte cells. And then you also see that the expression of the sonic hedgehog is downregulated. Yeah, or at least its signaling targets are yes. downregulated. Um, so that's really interesting that apparently this mixture of lipids and inflammatory cytokines can do this. Um, then they also wanted to see if they could catch any of the early changes in the HFCS cells after high-fat feeding. So they looked at after four days of a high-fat diet and they did find immediately that there was uh, ROS, so oxidative damage and oxidative oxidation markers. And they hypothesized with the help of some additional experiments that there is a shift to a fatty acid aerobic respiration that increases ROS generation. But in terms of expression of genes, there were not a lot of changes in these first first four days of high-fat diet feeding. Yeah, which is the short-term exposure, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it also seems quite short. Yeah, because uh, for a comparison, their long-term exposure was three months. So well, quite a big difference there. So yeah, from there, they then uh, continue to do some uh, different rescue experiments, but only in their genetic model of uh, Sonic Hedgehog uh, rescue um, and in the rescue uh, via, uh, of Sonic Hedgehog uh, chemically using a particular compound. Uh, they saw a partial rescue of the high-fat diet hair loss by promoting these uh, stem cells, uh, specifically the maintenance of these stem cells. Yeah, uh, so rescuing SHAs while doing a high-fat diet did help a lot, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Yeah, which is great. It also says that they have a patent pending on something. Well, I have a wild guess on what it could be. Um. <laughs> mm, that's probably their, their uh, multi-omics approach to... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, no, sure. <laughs> um, now, their main conclusion of this paper basically was that because obesity needs multiple rounds of hair loss to really start seeing big differences in these diminishing um, hair follicle stem cell pools uh, and hairs not growing back. So that's, of course, why it's a risk for these, this male pattern baldness, um, because then you have already hair loss and then your hair also grows back less. So then it gets exaggerated by the obesity. Um, but there are, of course, other, other moments where the repetitive hair cycle is important. 
or even aging related hair loss. And then this might really be important that these HFSC cells are um, influenced by obesity. And the other main question that they have is that now we've shown that obesity has a real effect on these stem cells um, and does not good thing to them things to them. So is this a risk for, factor for other organs and mm. organ failure maybe even? So they're they're wondering that and it's a, it's interesting, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now we're talking something relatively benign in terms of like hair thinning and baldness. Um, some people might not agree with you yeah i know i the moment i was saying that i was like this this is where karma is going to strike me and i go bald at some point (laughs) um but i mean yeah you can imagine other organs that are really much closer to something like a dyslipidemia like liver or something like that also having issues i Mm -hmm. guess so i don't know or even the gut where you also have stem cells that need to regenerate everything so yeah interesting interesting paper what did you think of it Oh, the, well, at first it's, it, it has one of those catchy titles of like obesity and hair fitting. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. And then you actually read it. It's like, oh, every sentence is densely packed it, information. so <laughs> much. It's also, it doesn't have an introduction and it doesn't have a discussion. It's just mm. all one continuous bomb of information. Yep. But um, definitely go check it out if you're interested. <laughs> and combating hair fitting. Yeah, well, you, you need some hedgehogs. That's that's um, <laughs> that's that might need more clarification. <laughs> you need some hedgehogs. You better Sonic. listen to this episode before you <laughs> take any what? conclusion from that. Should we make the title "Why You Need Hedgehogs"? <laughs> yeah, no, let's not. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was fun again. Yeah. Um, if you have any questions, comments, uh, suggestions. If you want any advice, you can reach us via uh, the Struggling Scientist at Hotmail.com or via our website, The Struggling Scientist. Or you can reach out uh, via our social media. And those are... Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Nice. And everywhere we are just a struggling scientist. So you should be able to find us. Google us. It works these days. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. Glad that you listened again. And we hope to see you all next time. Yes. Bye. Bye.